0: Theorizing that primetime audiences were ready for a new time travel series, NBC and creator Donald Belisario debuted Quantum Leap on March 26, 1989. Starring Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell, the series followed Dr. Sam Beckett for five seasons of time hopping adventures, spawning novels, comics, and a fan base that has clamored for decades for a revival. Now, with Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett starring in a new version of the series that dangles just as many new threads as it does old ones. We'll ball the string up and explore the revival and the ways in which Quantum Leap has always entertained and inspired us, here on, oh boy.
1: Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Nate, and with me as a co host, we can all see and hear, it's Brian Martin. Hello, everybody. Brian, have you any chit to chat up front here? Boy, you know, for once, I don't think I do. I feel like we need to jump right into this. Yeah, leap right in. Yeah. Just like Ben would. <laughs> yeah. Let's just get started on this because I've got notes that just keep on scrolling on the <laughs> computer. A lot. Quite an episode this week. To say the least. Man, yeah. Who accepted the nudge this week? So the date, May 2nd, 1989.
0: Ben has leaped into Commander Rossi, an operations officer aboard the USS Montana, third in command on this ship. Over him, Captain Bill Drake and the EXO. Alexander Augustine, played by the just always wonderful, delightful Brendan Routh, Mm. here playing the father of Addison. Ben leaps in, guns blazing, cannons firing. We find out this is all part of some war games that the ship is involved in, but Ben quickly comes to understand that a distress signal being sent by an American vessel in the original history was ignored completely by the ship, and all the people aboard died. But as the episode progresses, their rescue attempts could ignite a global war. So that's always fun.
1: <laughs> World War Three. Yeah.
0: Exciting times aboard the USS Montana.
1: Okay. Brian, this is far and away my favorite episode of all this right. show. All right, yeah. I yeah. was blown out of the water. Or lack of a better pun. <laughs> this episode was just incredible. I don't know how you're feeling about it, but I could not wait to get behind a microphone for this thing.
0: Yeah, I largely agree. I think that this episode, just in terms of presentation, in terms of story, in terms of acting, it was in another league. Not to stick with the nautical terminology, <laughs> but it was... It felt peerless. Yeah. The the tension. Absolutely. You know, we talk a lot about episodes of this show that go in fun or engaging directions that are not entirely unpredictable. Right. We know where things are going. I don't know that I felt that way about this episode at all. Straight no. up until the very, very end. Yeah. I didn't know where things were going.
1: If last week's episode was new Quantum Leap channeling the best of traditional Quantum Leap, this week's episode is New Quantum Leap at the absolute height of its own vision. Yes. This, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. This is what this new show has been aspiring to be, I think. Everything that each character brings to the show is being used to its full potential. hmm And you get a sense of adventure, time travel, mystery, and... Also they managed to get some heart in there. And the stakes are extremely high. Yes. The stakes are really high, yet also kind of personal. Yeah. You know, and not so yeah. not so big that you know, something on a semi global scale, that would be pretty significant. Pretty consequential. You think yeah. yeah, you think of the sheer number of people on that submarine and then all of the people that they would then affect. I mean, this is big, like universally speaking. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that big all the time. In fact, it shouldn't be. But, boy, watching last night actually had me on the edge of my seat. Yeah, look at, like, the last
0: three episodes of this show. Yeah. Right? We go from Let Them Play to Family Style to S.O.S. And I think this is what makes Quantum Leap great, conceptually. You've got three extremely different stories mm-hmm. about three extremely different types of people being told, and there's no other show on TV that can pull this off. And right. that's what made Quantum Leap so special early on, and this new series is finally starting to get it. And I think that, to what you said about every moving part of this show working to, like, its full potential, Mm -hmm. this is the first episode I can think of where everything is copacetic. Everything is simpatico. Right. Uh, Like, whether we're talking about Ben and Addison in the Leap, whether we're talking about the support staff in 2023, whether we're talking about our revelatory friend that shows up at the end, everything works in service of this story and it all just clicks nothing feels wasted nothing feels like it's just tacked on or filling time right. if anything every second of this episode is committed to this story and it almost isn't enough time but it clicks right. and whistles and just goes right
1: through it's a great great hour You're hitting on one of the points I wanted to make, too, which is I think from now on, if you're going to keep a 2023 cast along, you're going to have to use them to assist Ben in a leap. Yes. This episode would have suffered so greatly to step away to a coffee shop or step away to the Real Housewives or some... Jen, your dad's
0: on the phone. (laughs)
1: That's right. Everybody had a purpose legitimate things that could be accomplished in 2023 that affect the entire story yes this is not oh and meanwhile let's go see Dottie. which even though that was interesting and parts of that story are you know starting to come together in something i have some interest in it would have just been a total waste of this episode to try and squeeze something like that in yeah yeah whereas the way they used magic This go-round to go have an actual conversation that was substantive to the issues at hand. That's what you're going to have to do with that support cast for me to have any real interest in it. Yeah, the A-plot and the B-plot in this episode are both related to the
0: leap itself. Right. And I think that's what really helps boost everything for everyone. I mean the nature of the B-plot, I don't know if this is something they can pull off every week, No, but I, yeah. the support staff is absolutely used the way they should be. Even there are multiple moments in this episode where a scene from 2023 ends on a line of dialogue that is picked up in 1989, and it's almost like a call and response between those two eras. Like, whatever Ben says in the next scene could easily be a response to whatever Magic said right. at the end of that shot. And it's just back and forth like that. It all moves so seamlessly and it creates this sense of momentum and tension that just persists through the whole episode.
1: Yeah, the tension is palpable in this episode. It's just, it's just incredible. And to make that work in the 2023 storyline, you're right. It's going to be very difficult to duplicate and certainly on a regular basis, but you don't necessarily need to take every single player in that arena and use them towards the story. Like we talked about before, not everybody has to be in every episode, right? Right. So I think it's very plausible that we could do something where whatever's going on with Ben, let's focus on Jen this episode and what she ends up contributing to this particular thing. But it just shows that you have one story to tell, it works so much better. Yes. So much better. And this story was nothing short of incredible. I don't want to feel like I'm overselling this, but I was just riveted by this show and it was just on another level with the rest of the things they've been doing. The closest approximation I could think of was something like Hunt for Red October or Crimson Tide. Felt like a Tony Scott movie. It totally did. It absolutely did. I actually took a minute to research and write down the script writer for this episode is Dean Gorijaris. I'm butchering this name G-E-O-R-G-A-R-I-S the screenwriter for The Meg <laughs> <laughs> so so he's got I'll a go thing, thing for water okay yes <laughs> and then a director wait, wait, oh. the,
0: the, I refuse to
1: believe that The Meg only had one credited screenwriter <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy was credited with writing on the meg then let's say. Okay. <laughs> Nevertheless, that was the height of his uh, IMDb page. And then Chris wow. Chris Grismer G R I S M E R was the director and he just seemed like kind of a TV journeyman. Okay. But boy was this cinematic. I mean, like you were just yeah. saying Hunt for Red October, the use of the close quarters, the environment that they were able to build was very real the exterior shots were used very sparingly. Mm -hmm. One scene, I guess, where they drop the anchor and the ship is just yanked to one side. You know, and this was on a network television budget. Right. Uh, It's like they... Again, it's not like the Mandalorian. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Which, Which had a really
0: great Water themed segment in its premiere episode last week. Yeah. That looks nothing like this because it's the Mandalorian. Right. Quantum Leap is operating on a totally different set of rules and budgetary constraints.
1: Yeah, that poor alligator.
0: He was oh, just that, hungry. That alligator dude. He was, he was, just, he was hungry. Hungry I, for some
1: Mandos. <laughs> guess. I mean, he's just out to eat. He's not some maybe evil those, malevolent creature. Maybe those
0: frogs were his kids. <laughs>
1: maybe. I felt bad for that thing but i digress. <laughs> yeah, the note i had here was just that the directing i thought was really good. There were lots of quick zooms that mm-hmm. helped build tension, you know, quick pans and really making that space feel like a tight crawl space, which felt authentic to battleships, i guess, not that i've ever been on one. <laughs> but sure, sure. A lot of the way that
0: this episode was filmed again very claustrophobic, the the environment yeah. lends itself to that. But the character of Bill Drake, captain, the captain right. of this mission, reminded me a lot of Sterling Hayden's character in Dr. Strangelove, who's the one talking about bodily fluids <laughs> being extracted from people, like the one who really goes off as Rocker. Right. Jack Ripper is the character in Dr. Strangelove, but the way he's shot at this close quarters angle, and you can see this frenzied look right behind his eyes. Yeah. That's what it kind of reminded me of. This guy is not as unhinged, but very clearly everyone aboard and us the viewer are meant to recognize that this guy may not be in the best state of mind
1: to be making calls like this right now. Right. No, that's true. I do think that how do we get around it? That's the real problem of the episode. (laughs) Right. I do think that they did a good job of peeling back those layers a little bit. They gave you enough time to see why you might like this guy, why he might be revered in the Navy. Mm -hmm. Obviously had some misogynistic views like uh, most people in the early 80s (laughs) or late 80s in the Navy. I think the episode was really, really adept at sort of
0: just touching on that and moving along. Yeah, moving on. didn't dwell in it. It's like, okay... That's one way to let us know what era this takes place in. Sure. Right,
1: exactly. And I will admit, uh, very few detractors in this episode. I was a little confused what it was that this guy was suffering from. So what I Did you pick up that
0: up? was that his wife had left him?
1: I was aware of that, but I thought the way the XO and the Master Chief were talking seemed to think like, oh, it's getting worse. Like he's had some kind of medical dementia or something. Right. Like. getting worse like
0: i don't know if they got any more specific than that i just knew that he lost his wife
1: yeah so maybe he's just kind of spiraling in some despair i I wasn't sure what was going on there but that being said it was clearly an issue and everybody took it with the gravity that it had i think it's sold because everyone on
0: board is so committed to him right yeah right nobody wants to be the one to cross him but everybody knows it's going to come to that Right. That's where the dramatic tension in this episode comes from, from the word go. So, Addison's impression of her father, I think it's important to kind of touch on real quick, is that he was distant, he was a very committed officer who made a very, very bad mistake on this particular mission,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: not long after it left... Addison and her mother and he was just sort of a deadbeat dad that Addison wanted to look up to and respect but felt for whatever reason he had dropped the ball in their relationship and just yeah. didn't understand why and had this lingering part resentment part just sorrow about and confusion
1: it. a lot confusion. of confusion. Yeah. yeah.
0: We speculated last week that this might be a chance for Addison to work through some daddy issues. Right. And it certainly was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we both had theories and they kind of split the difference. I yeah. Think. They kind
0: of, neither one of us were particularly wrong. They were just kind of both yeah, in the middle. Yeah. Like somewhere
1: <laughs> in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Addison's father
0: took the fall for the death of everyone aboard the Tampa because the distress signal went unheeded. They went about their business and everybody aboard died. Right. And we quickly realized that not only was he not at fault for that, he was advocating for them to actually go there and it was right. Captain Drake who said, "No, we're not going over there. It could be a trick, it could be a trap. We're not doing it." And it becomes Ben's burden to prove first that the signal is authentic. Right Right? and kind of share it with everybody. That's the tricky spot Ben is put in in this episode. Is that he is constantly in a state of trying to prove things to people, yeah, who can then
1: advocate. (laughs) with him to like maybe this is the thing we should do chain of command thing where you're not able to voice dissension right he is put in his place very quickly yeah
0: ben is and addison helps him like just say thank you sir yes sir uh i'm sorry sir i'm sorry sir Yeah. yeah and just agree to it so there's another episode even if you take out addison's dad where addison has some extreme agency in it
1: yeah and her purpose is very very
0: clear From the outset.
1: Yeah, this twist right at the beginning, history had recorded that Addison's father was the one that left everybody for dead, essentially, ignoring this plea while the captain was away from the bridge, right? That twist was really impactful because, you know, she lays this out, we understand the stakes, and then there's this kind of a dramatic pause while he's thinking about what am I going to do? And then he does the opposite of what we're expecting, right? Right, and then everybody's surprised. Yeah, everybody's like surprised. Like, Wait, what all the viewers and it really, are surprised. That's the moment that sets.
0: <laughs> that's the moment that sets Addison on her personal journey for this episode. Like, who the hell is this guy? So it happens very early in the episode, and it not only does it help create the tension, help create the sense of disorientation for us and for Ben and everybody, but it also gives Addison plenty of room in the episode to go on this emotional journey.
1: Yeah. Their first thought was that maybe they had changed history. Not that we had it wrong, but have we done something already? Have we changed history? And I bought that for a second, too. I was like, oh, what did we do to the timeline before it was revealed that Addison's dad is a scapegoat here of his own design just Mm -hmm. to save the reputation of this guy against the death of an entire crew worth of naval sailors. Yeah. This story was very effective. It reminded me of one of those fleet-based episodes that Star Trek would do every now and then with the mm-hmm. uh, the rogue captain or the evil <laughs> admiral that walks yeah. out of the bridge. Everybody will follow them up to a point until Captain Picard says, okay, that's enough. Oh, yeah. I've given you your due, but you're out of line here, and we're going to save somebody's reputation while pointing out that they're in the wrong i think you mentioned that to any fan of the next generation and the first name that
0: comes to mind is probably captain Jellico from the two-part chain of yeah. command episode yeah. there are four lights that episode
1: yeah yeah Jellico's a good captain
0: though he is he's just a real hard ass i don't think riker was prepared for that. like riker i'm gonna hoist my leg over this chair and sit <laughs> yeah. down Riker's flippant attitude was in no way prepared for the rigor of Captain Jellicoe.
1: Yeah, if we were going to get into that, I'd say that I'm a big Riker fan, but he was in the wrong in that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, come on. For sure, for sure. Jellicoe just runs things differently, and I'm sorry he's in command. I think of it more in terms of, and I'm not going to know the character names, but there was one where uh, O'Brien's old captain was taking his ship on a crusade to blow up this blockade of Cardassian ships
0: yes yeah that was a real that was that was much more of a Captain Ahab kind of situation
1: yeah it was a captain who was kind of out of his depth now and we were trying to give him the benefit of the doubt but okay you're kind of unhinged let's face the facts here I will permit you the dignity of retaining your command during the voyage and that's kind of what this was like hey We understand what you mean to this country. We understand what you mean to all of the men on this ship. But, okay, let's take a step back here. You're in the wrong. Yeah. It's time for somebody to say something. And uh, in this new timeline, finally, somebody does. It's just masterfully done. That moment at the end where everybody is just looking at Drake and everybody
0: falls into place and they all know what needs to happen. Right. And Drake just kind of
1: acknowledges it. Like,
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: You know, like he has this moment of clarity and backs off. I'm really glad that this wasn't specifically about changing or saving Addison's dad. The story and the tension that's built really led toward Mm -hmm. a loftier resolution. And part of me was concerned going into this episode. It would be some kind of Addison-based save her dad situation. But then there was the other conjecture we had that maybe he'd just sort of be there. And I'm really glad they split the difference there. Yes. There was a purpose for it to be Addison's dad, but the story didn't revolve around the fact that it was Addison's dad. I mean, that's a very narrow edge to walk. Yeah, yeah. It'd be very easy to just make this mostly about Addison. Yeah, or just, here's the gimmick, Addison's dad. Yeah, one of the other small issues I had, it was bizarre that when Ben goes to get Augustine out of his quarters, he grabs a gun and, like, knocks out the soldier that was by his door. <laughs> right. Oh, you they know? start some shit. Yeah. Man, they really start some shit. When he's talking about mutiny, it's like, I kind of expected him just to leave his quarters and walk up there and have a Picard-like speech. I don't know if the
0: episode needed that level of action. Right. They're just kind of running around and the officers are chasing them around the ship.
1: It did lead to a good moment of them sliding down those stairs.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like Ben is just super impressed. impressed. (laughs) Yeah. That was a pretty great moment. Yeah. But I think that scene in particular, it's kind of where the A and the B plot coalesce, right? Because it's the one time in the episode where... Ben and Alexander Augustine are able to chat, and Ben sees pictures of Addison as a child. Mm-hmm. Brandon Ralph goes into detail about what his past looks like, and that too goes in some interesting directions about his relationship with his wife and why he feels like he needs to leave. That was one of the most impactful parts of the episode to me, because who sees that coming? Where he's like, I love her, but it's clear that this isn't working and I don't want her to waste her life with me, right? Is kind of the thesis of what he talks about there. And it's just, wow. Again, it's like something Addison hears and it's like she never, ever would have expected. I mean, she's only, what, like two years old? (laughs) In, sure. At the time period this episode's taking place, but like...
1: But any time, yeah. any age, to hear your parents say something of that
0: nature. You always think, oh, dad left because he chased a younger woman around. You know, that's like the right. typical kind of thing, but it's like, wow, what a refreshing reason <laughs> to
1: separate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from your spouse. And it doesn't put any fault on any individual, you know? Yes. Yeah. And later in the episode, there is a moment where... She's left to her own devices to speak to her father. Yes. What a great moment that is. is. not Oh, my
0: God. What a just outstanding. Yeah. I mean, we talked, I think, a couple of times in recent episodes about Caitlin Bassett really bringing the heat in her role. And again, this is another week where she just, I thought,
1: knocked it out of the park. I felt everything in there. Like, just great work. Really powerful. Everybody was good in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. The resolution of this episode, how does that change things for Addison? hmm And that stuff was actually brought up in Project Quantum Leap. Yeah, Jen provides the
0: insight of the layman perspective where she's like, is this going to be like Back to the Future? And is Addison going to stop existing? She's picturing the right. photograph fading out, right, from Back to the Future. Right. And Ian's response is that it would take something extremely significant and to impact the timeline
1: in a way that would affect people downstream. Downstream is of the way humans used water as a metaphor. Yes. Things coming back together. It was kind of like the the voice of reason, like the Incredible Hulk from, you know, in game <laughs> or yes. whatever. Now, <laughs> what? Back to the Future is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, cooler heads prevail, but she's obviously thinking some of the things that we're thinking, and there's got to be some impact on her life now. The big question would be, Addison and
0: her father, have they reconnected? Have they... Did he ever leave? I, I have to believe he probably did leave, but I feel like the circumstances might have been different at this point. And maybe if they haven't, nothing changed and their relationship remained contentious or he was just absent for a long time. But certainly Addison's in a place now where she would be more inclined to reach out to him. So maybe it's a situation where nothing changed in that original timeline, but maybe
1: assuming he's still alive, I'm now sure she, he's still now alive, she has but. a new perspective that she could reach out to him in right. the present. Now right. the other the other way to think about this though is as she described their relationship early in the episode, it was I didn't know who this guy was. He was very closed off. He taught me to be closed off. I never saw him smile, much less have any kind of emotion. But can you think she, can you believe that she lived with Brandon Routh and never saw him smile? That's, that's <laughs> right?
0: robbery. Brandon Routh has just a terrific smile.
1: Right. Right. Brandon Routh is is really good in this episode, but what, yeah, what oh, I'm man. I guess what I'm driving at is like this relationship is painted out for us at the beginning of the episode, but in this moment where she was in the room with him, she makes this long diatribe about how he always loved her. Don't feel like a bad person on the inside because I always knew that you loved me. Almost like you were a great dad, which was yeah. antithetical to what we understood him to be at the beginning. Aww. Maybe is there that was a indicative change. of the change. Yeah, like d- Maybe. D- And so, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it and there's just some disconnect between act one and act three.
0: So I think the way I read it, and this starts in the scene in Alexander's quarters and he's explaining a little chunk of his life that Addison had never been privy to. And that's that he had a very rough upbringing and -hmm. his father was an abusive drunk who Alexander nearly killed when he was 18 by lashing out. Right ran away, was scooped up by Drake and put into the military. And Drake kind of gave him purpose and reason. But Addison never understood his origin story and who right. her grandfather was. And so much of what Alexander's perspective on his own life is, is tied up in this generational connection with his dad. Like, I don't want to be that person, right? And Addison,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Addison's perspective on him is just Fundamentally altered in that moment when she suddenly realizes, oh, this was the ghost he was running away from this whole time. And this is the person he felt like he was close to becoming. Right. And he still feels like he's struggling with. And when she's doing her whole big speech at the end and she's she's kind of talking to him without him really hearing, she mentions whatever your dad had, it stops with you. He can't hear her, but I think it speaks more to where she's at as a person in terms of her understanding of who her dad is, if not like any impact it had on a timeline or anything that's changed in her life. I think this episode gives us all the insight we need on that because we just see, maybe it's just shifted perspective or something. This is who you are and this is what made you who you are. And I'm so, so sorry you had to go through that, but she does mention, she says, you've done nothing but love me and make me the person I am today. And before or after this leap, that's got to be true because she sort of followed in his footsteps. I mean, yeah, Navy, Army, what have you. Right. But she became a military person, right? And that part is, I think, intergenerational. And I,
1: yeah, and I feel like these events fundamentally change who Alexander is. It's an entirely different trajectory. Yeah. So that has to affect his daughter. And it's really interesting to think about what those changes could be we're not going to have a different hologram in the next episode or whatever but i hope that they explore what the difference is because is she going to be cognizant of the things that have changed for her did they play catch or something <laughs> yeah, as yeah, kids no, right. when they weren't before right. did he make more efforts to come see her or right it's what just her basic impression made? of him
0: growing up yeah. did that change My thought was, I really hope the reason they got Brendan Routh to play this character is because they have intentions of bringing him back. You know, as an older version of the same character.
1: Yeah, it could. I do
0: hope we see him again. And I do think that there is a high probability we'll get more context for it.
1: Maybe they just cast Brandon Routh because they thought this is going to be a big episode and who knows if we'll get a season two, we better put somebody in this role. Yeah, we talked about the guest actors and actresses
0: they've gotten for this show so far and they've done a pretty good job Especially with performers that are very familiar to those of us who are steeped in this genre of sci-fi television. So maybe it is just another example of them doing that.
1: Yeah. But I don't know. I think
0: because of the personal connection and because of the potential that is baked into this for exploring who Addison is and who she's been. Mm -hmm. I have to believe that if there aren't plans to bring him back at this point, I think that's something they're keeping in their back pocket. Right, like I don't think it's anything that they would need to bring up
1: immediately. Sure, but there's a connection there. Yeah, Yeah, there. This character has a connection to our cast of characters. Like Deborah Ann Wall's character, as much as we loved her, there's no reason to see that person again and yeah why and, and, would they and how could they <laughs> you and, know and here's here's some, but, some news that has made me extraordinarily
0: bitter this week uh, is that we also won't be seeing her again in the new daredevil series on disney
1: plus so thanks I did a that. lot kevin feige yeah i did read that as well yeah that's really disappointing baloney i, mean, I tell you baloney yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's maybe just this season. I've Granted, it's a long season, and you'd think there would be room for her, but...
0: There's some sort of tagline or something, or just a general idea maybe that's been shared, that they're getting the devil out of the kitchen on this one, so it seems like there may be a move out Maybe to the West Coast or something. Out to San Francisco for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll follow that kind of Daredevil trajectory for a while. So maybe that's why Foggy and Karen are not in
1: this season. Uh,
0: I'm going to grasp at straws on that one because I don't know why you do that. Yeah,
1: what's but. the point of... Yeah, exactly. I don't understand it either. You would think there'd at least be some conversation about that. Like, hey, listen, we're bringing everybody else back from your show. We don't have any plans for Karen this season because we're going to go over to this. But hey, w- we may call you. You'd think they would have that kind of conversation, which they haven't yet. And uh, I don't mean to make this a Daredevil podcast. But no, it's a Deborah easily... Ann Wall podcast. We've yeah. been here before, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, and she's worthy of it. Daredevil is uh, probably my favorite character in the Marvel Universe and probably the best adaptation outside of maybe Captain America. Yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's a, okay. That's a, that's a, that's, but, a, that's definitely for another time, but yes. Yeah. I yeah. Totally I, but I love daredevil and I, I love that series. And I have some concerns about doing it on Disney plus, <laughs> Yes, but
0: uh, <laughs> I have some concerns about doing the born again storyline specifically on Disney plus. especially right? if They bring in nuke.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got to reach they, back to Jessica Jones and did, bring they him did back. Get nuke on Jessica Jones. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: Back on anyway, target
0: here. What were we talking about? The Defenders? I wanted...
1: <laughs> <laughs> defenders of the Earth. I've not seen this kind of character from Brandon
0: Routh. No, it's very, very deeply emotional. And there is much more emoting than there is talking. His See, I was going to say the
1: stoicism
0: was there. The that's stoicism, I, yeah. The, that's the, what I was driving at. I just think, like... When I mean emoting, I mean it's all in the eyes. His yeah. eyes do so much work in this episode. Right. Like, his his eyes do more work to sell his character than his mouth does. Sure. That's what I mean. Like, you see every decision. You see him agonizing over every moment. Right. And his facial expression is everything. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we've seen any character that wasn't fun or comedic. Right. Or, like, even when he's being a... Stoic character like Superman is stoic, but fun There's moments of
1: amusement where he's amused the thing about his Superman I felt like his Superman was sometimes not comfortable in his own skin mm-hmm. You know, he had a very outside of society. I'm a stranger sort of feeling like yeah, maybe really I don't fit. know how to act in this situation. Maybe it definitely it definitely
0: fit with the Superman. He was playing in Superman Returns. Yeah, Who oh, it was off good planet for a while and comes back and most of the people he knows Or Well, Lois (laughs) is in a very different situation than she was when he left. So it's very disarming for him. And so it lent itself to a performance like that, I
1: think. Right. But this character that he's playing on Quantum Leap is fairly sure of himself. Like, even when he was falling on his sword, that was his decision. You get the sense that that was his decision, right? Yes. No, he wasn't. He did it.
0: Not because Drake compelled him to, but because he felt such a loyalty to Drake and Drake's legacy right? that he threw himself on the sword. And he does a great job of appealing to it. The line he says before Drake finally relents is, you're a source of inspiration to everyone on this ship. Be that man now. Right. It's like this appeal to Drake's better angels. Yeah. and And it works, and we buy it because... Everyone in this episode has the best intentions.
1: Even Drake, he believes in what he's doing. This is kind of a throwaway line that seems very big to me. And I don't know if you caught it, but for the first time, Addison says, fate brought us here. There's two things. There's that
0: line, and then there's a line that magic says. He implies that maybe Ben chose this point and came here, says that he doesn't believe the leap is random. And then he quotes Martin Luther King. Let us realize that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And then he says that project quantum leap is part of whatever force bends that arc for
1: the better. Wasn't that wonderful? Yeah. I, I, that, that was just, And it's always been magic that made me believe the purpose of the project was putting right what went wrong. Right. There was always an emphasis in the old show that I think is represented by magic in the new show. And to say the arc of the moral universe, I mean, the universe. Yeah. It makes it very cosmic. (laughs) Yeah. And... I didn't really pair it with this other line by Addison, but I guess they do kind of fit together. They usually say the machine brought you here or the accelerator brought you here. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first time somebody has said fate brought us here. There's a cosmic
0: force at work. Yeah. That is yeah. a mystery to all of us and the the original show may have characterized that as something religious, right? But this Sometimes, show is yeah. is yeah, yeah, but this show is preserving that sense of mystery, right? It's like the force (laughs) yeah, (laughs) from Star Wars. It's like it's religious if you want it to be,
1: but it's not necessarily, right? I feel that way about the old show. I've always been able to separate that. This one, not even an idea that it could be a higher power. I love the way Magic puts it. It it suggests a higher
0: power, but more than that, it's not like a conscious entity. It's more just like this natural
1: force, right? That is bending the moral universe right uh and and, and he presents are, it as a belief an internal yes. like this is how i feel about these things whereas everything else has been very methodical and kind of cold and sciency, and magic has always been the one that's been like it's it's about how do i give back to the person that gave to me and how do i better you know Society and humanity, how, how, and how, how do know. I serve? Yeah, yeah. Like, how can right. I? How can I be a part of this? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's. Just, I, I thought that was a wonderful, a wonderful moment. I guess it does kind of tie into what Addison had said, but um she doesn't have a lot of connection to what he's trying to accomplish each week, right? Her connection
0: is Ben, right? right. Like throughout it, there's not really any motivation for her
1: other than I want to get Ben home, right? Right? How much does she even care about Sonali and her daughter? Does she even like Indian food? Probably not. Yeah, you
0: know, like I,
1: (laughs) she doesn't. She doesn't like country music. She doesn't like Indian food. She doesn't care about any of this. (laughs) I I just wonder, like, because Al, he would get as invested in this as Sam did. You see that a little bit because it's specifically affecting Addison this time. But yeah, that's something that this show misses is putting right what once went wrong. And this is a huge thing to go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Um, yeah, (laughs) this is
0: about the worst thing they could possibly do is inadvertently start a war in the middle of a leap. But, you know, I'm watching this and I'm like, I'd kind of love to see what would happen. And I'm thinking of the episode again, A Leap for Lisa, where Al suddenly blinks out of existence. Yeah. And is replaced by Roddy McDowell. What if they had caused a war and like the project was just decimated in that moment and Addison vanished and Ben was just like, I better figure something out quick because it's just like a calamitous incident has happened that is wiped out.
1: (laughs) These are definitely things I think they'll explore given the way that they treat the timeline here. Yes. Yeah. To see how our present day actors are affected by the things that happened in the past. But as far as this episode is concerned, I don't know that I'd change a thing. No, Um, no.
0: I look at these things and I think, could I have done this better? This one, I'm like, no. I could not have done anything in this episode better than what it did. Right. It's it's, it's great.
1: Outside of the captain's motivations, people go through divorces and don't try to blow up submarines.
0: (laughs) I think he was a racist. (laughs) And I don't think the show would just come right out and say it, but
1: uh, I think he was racist. It might have had something to do with that. At the first commercial break, and realized that I was just leaning forward in my seat, yes, watching this show, yeah, and I was like, I've yeah. not been affected by this show like this yet.
0: I was fired up afterwards, right? You know, like, and I watch it late. I watched it last night. I streamed it on Peacock, and I probably finished it about quarter after twelve, and I did
1: not go to bed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's really at the height of its game. Are we ready to talk about? That ending. Yeah, and you know, the thing about it was the ending wasn't even the
0: thing I thought the most about afterwards. It's definitely a thing, and it's a huge moment, but when I'm reflecting on the episode, it's not even in the top
1: five moments I think of first. Oh, the show right? definitely works without it. Yeah. It's like a mini submarine movie yeah, and fleet movie, and maybe it's just hit the sweet spot for me. All of it was Captivating and interesting to me So yeah it works without it But at the same time Boy Is it a welcome addition It's, it's the Holy perfect Holy crap
0: it's the perfect little thing. Yeah. If we're going to push this overall season-spanning narrative forward in an episode that functions and is just perfect like this one is... It doesn't um, get in the way. It doesn't. It doesn't it's, get it, in the way. And it does this great thing where... Okay, so so the deal with yeah. this is that... Yeah, exactly.
1: What are we talking about here, Brian? <laughs> so, Ben,
0: <laughs> in the course of this episode, there are dozens of soldiers on this battleship that Ben's character is on. And more than once, he communicates with a character named Walker, who we mm-hmm. do not see, but they're communicating over the radio. Walker helps Ben with a strategy that detonates a bunch of mm-hmm. Chinese minds that are floating in the ocean. It was an accident that kind of brought them out to sea. But-
1: right. I, I interrupt real quick just to say that this was one of the major moments that magic helped with in the 2023 storyline. Oh, and yeah, that was when great we, too. Yes. Yeah, when we talk about everybody being used to the full of potential, they didn't know what that was until they got that information from Team Quantum Leap. Yes. And that's what this thing has to keep doing in the future. It was just so much to gush
0: about in this episode, but yeah. So this character Walker, who we have not seen, who Ben has not seen, walks up to Ben when he's above deck at the very end of the episode. Ben turns, and it's Martinez. Yeah. And it's been Martinez this whole time. <laughs> yep. Leaper double XL. And it's clearly, yeah. and it's Martinez post Wild West. This is Martinez later in his career as a Leaper than the last time we saw him. So Ben recognizes him. He acknowledges that Ben recognizes him.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he specifically came up to see Ben. Yes. Very well written, very well laid out in that they put an emphasis on Walker. He would be very easy to forget. But they took two seconds to have a moment where Walker wasn't there on the other end of the radio. Yes. And suddenly he's missed. Like up until that point, Walker could just be some guy in the engine room and who cares. But then they have a moment where Walker's not there and somebody else answers. And he's like, uh, can you put Walker on the phone? You're essentially, right. <laughs> you know, which puts emphasis on this character so that when this reveal happens, it's like pow punches you in the face yeah oh my god and he delivers
0: just a couple lines of perfectly cryptic dialogue yeah he comes on up and Ben looks at him and is very curious because he says to Martinez you helped me today like what is our relationship exactly and Martinez's response is actually you helped me I don't think I could have pulled this off without you what is he talking about
1: yeah we don't know (laughs) (laughs) We don't know. Exactly. And Ben doesn't know either. And Ben says, I don't understand what you're talking about. And he says, that's why I'm going to win.
0: Yes. And then poof.
1: Leaps. Yeah. Like, what in the world? Wow. So, like, what was it that Martinez was there to accomplish? And it leads you to think. What is it that leaps him around? What? Yeah. You know, he's well, been in the Old West. So and he says, this is why and- I'm going
0: to win. And so now that seems to make it clear that they are at odds, that their goals are not the same. Ben and Martinez's goals and whatever is going on, they are not aligned with one another. Right. 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 I would love to see an episode at some point, And maybe I'm putting the cart with the horse on this one. But there was an episode in the second season of Lost where second season of Lost premieres, we meet some new castaways from the tail section of the plane that broke off in midair and crashed on the other side of the island. So there were a a whole other group of survivors. And there's an episode titled The Other 48 Days. And it's about what happened to that group of survivors over the course of the first season of Lost, where we were spending our time with the other main cabin survivors.
1: Okay. I
0: would love to see an episode like that about this episode of Quantum Leap that's entirely from Martinez's perspective, eventually. Yeah,
1: what's he doing? Yeah, right? like, what's he doing down there? Yeah, yeah. I, I am so interested
0: in what he succeeded in doing in this leap if it wasn't what Ben succeeded in
1: doing. Right. right. Mm, mm. Yeah, I, and I still don't believe that Martinez is malevolent. Even though they're pitted against each other, I still feel like Martinez probably thinks that they're more at odds than they are for some miscommunication somewhere. Maybe, maybe. We've met him in the present day prior to his leaping, kind of realized that he's something of a Boy Scout, but potentially manipulated by the needs of the government. But again, we've got a technology here that is dependent on you doing something good for somebody in order for you to continue your travels. Right. Outside of evil leapers, that's the only thing that we've seen will continue your journey. If Martinez was an evil leaper,
0: wouldn't he have just made sure World War III started? <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? or like, something of that nature. You're never going to have a better chance than you do right now, buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah, and instead they worked together. And obviously lots of good things come out of this. And what of those things assists somebody that's doing something evil? I don't know. It's hard to know who's affected poorly. There were a Um, lot of people on that submarine. And I mean, 138 people
0: were on board the Tampa and they all died in the original timeline.
1: Right. You get
0: 138 people together. They're not all good people. (laughs) <laughs> that's an I think maybe somebody on that sub. And we talked about this early on like that's a lot of people that are impacted by the changed history in this episode, right? 138 yeah. people, that's huge
1: right and the all impact. the people that that 138 people affect so that's my point
0: that's where i'm kind of zeroing in on what if martinez so, was there to ensure the survival of one person on that submarine i don't know but just somebody who has a very specific purpose maybe they're not an asshole i don't know you put anybody but, uh, up
1: against brendan routh and they look like an asshole though so. <laughs> but are you suggesting then that his intentions are not good even the best villains are the heroes of their story. Like, the best right. villains think that they're doing what's best. Oh, you sure, know? So sure. So he almost certainly thinks that he's on the side of good, I would imagine. My major question, what compels him to leap? Who's controlling his leaps? Does he have to do something bad? Does he have to do something good? Yeah. So many questions, not the least of which is who is his hologram and does he have one? Does he have a hologram? Yeah, I think my belief and it's
0: pure speculation, is that whatever his intentions are, they are not exclusively his intentions. I think he right. is a soldier boy. I think he's performing the will of someone superior to him because that's the kind of person he is. The questions I have, and maybe this merits a rewatch of the Western episode, again, what was he doing there What is he specifically doing aboard the Montana? This episode makes it a lot more explicit that he was there for a specific purpose. Yeah. And he was able to use Ben to achieve that purpose. Was the Wild West a similar circumstance? I really wonder now.
1: In the Wild West version, it was like, stop following me. It wasn't like, hey, thanks for helping me burn this town to the ground <laughs> i guess i guess it was more
0: like what what was he doing there what was he there to achieve and i don't know if yeah. there's anything in that episode that might hint at that but i really wonder about that now given what we saw this
1: back then we were oh i want to go back and watch episodes one through four and see if he was in the background somewhere and sure, then yeah he kind of drops off the radar for a little while and what a way to come back That's why I'm going to win. Yeah. That guy's playing a game that Ben doesn't know he's playing. Yes. In a lighter sense, first time we've ever seen somebody leap out of somebody and have that person (laughs) turn in. Yeah. (laughs) Like, hey, what am I doing here on the bridge? How did I I I get up here? He's like,
0: just, yeah, he's up top deck and he's like, how did I get up here? He says, Man, I'm totally confused. (laughs) Just the best best reaction to it. It's kind of like the reaction I would expect. Well, (laughs) if somebody leaped into Seth Rogen and then leaped out, Seth Rogen would just be like, "Oh man, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing Uh, up here?" But I mean, nobody would have to leap into Seth Rogen to get that kind of response. It's just how how he responds (laughs) to everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but it does kind of illustrate some of the problems that come with this notion of leaping and people being completely blacked out the whole time I've kind of made my peace with that but at the same time Ben's going to leap out and then both of those two characters will be standing on the deck of the ship right so does Walker now have is he going to be imprinted with the face of Martinez so many things that affect the future of the show while not standing in the way of the story for this episode. Yes. It's just amazing that it was accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. After watching 12 episodes of this show. There's bits and
0: pieces. There's always something that's like, I could have done without that B plot. Or remember back when were wondering, what is the A plot? What is the B plot? What is going yeah. on here? And it feels like, especially with the last the three episodes yeah. that we've turned that corner, the show is finding its footing. And again, I projected that maybe things would start to turn around around the time the season was extended to 18 episodes and they started writing the back end of it. And and here we are. And this is episode 13,
1: 14, 13, I think 12 or 13.
0: And that's right when it got extended. The back end of those episodes, it went to 12 and then they got extended out to 18. So yeah. This is right there, you know?
1: <laughs> so Yeah, this is absolutely a peak. Yeah. This is the top for me. I this is the new number one. Absolutely. No question. Like, uh, what a disaster. I really like that episode, but it pales to this. Yeah. Be- yeah. And this doesn't feel necessarily quantum leap, but what a great episode of television. Yeah. This is the peak for this series. You know, I really enjoyed the last episode, but this one like I said, far and away.
0: Yeah, and I also uh, felt much better with this episode because unlike the last two episodes in particular, we finally got an episode that you and I, as hetero white men, <laughs> felt <yeah>. extremely <laughs> qualified to talk about. One that involved battleships and heavy <laughs> artillery and just like <laughs> toxic shells, masculinity, toxic masculinity, and- sexism, people talking <clears throat> on radios to each other, you know, all these masculine things.
1: <laughs> Guy stuff. yeah i don't know what more i can say about this episode except that uh man sometimes things just all come together it was firing on all cylinders and it just every piece fell into place yes i hope people out there feel the same way and like i said this didn't feel like quantum leap but it felt like what this show can be yes if this is what they're shooting for it won't be the old show but i'd watch this yeah Absolutely. I would watch this type of show, and I don't think it can perform like this every week. And it feels like the money was spent on this one too, like that. even the leap effect. We got a very good look at the leap effect in
0: Martinez's mm-hmm. leap out. It was just like right there in our face, and that's yeah, that yeah. hasn't happened very much. Usually, we just see a little, little mist forming, a little zappy kind of stuff going on. But this is and the first the time we just spin watch into it the
1: eyeball or whatever, you know. You, yeah.
0: You, what did you think of the leap effect? I thought it was good. I thought I thought it was... I thought, oh, see, I'd like to see more of that because it looks kind of like an updated version of... Not, not the leap that we came to understand as the leap effect from the original series, but it looks like the original leap effect where it was just like this, the body would light up and then this sort of radiation would come out of it and then just sort of condense back in. That's what it kind of reminded me. It was kind of like if you took all of the leap effects from the original series and kind of put them in a bowl and mixed them together, it would look something like this.
1: Meh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I like that old leap effect—the blue lightning and the blue, uh, the sizzling kind of blue lightning—and yeah, and the, and the sound effect. The and, sound effect
0: is great, and the just like the rays or like zappy light just coming yeah. out, you know, and, and yeah, and kind it's of so good. curvy kind of shine on them.
1: And so, I don't know, it's just a this leap effect reminded me of the transporter in the Kelvin timeline, the JJ oh, Star yeah, Trek verse that also had this roost kind of
0: yeah, kind of janky like,
1: sizzly kind of yeah and it's like a spiral sort of yes but, yeah also yeah. not a fan of that uh, but you know neither here nor there <laughs> <laughs> bring back my original uh, leap effect but boy good job show man
0: yeah, hopefully they can keep it up next week. I'm hoping he actually leaped into Ally McBeal, but we'll see. Yeah, like we still have that dimension. Single female lawyer. I don't know if he's single, <laughs> but that's a Futurama reference.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Um, <laughs> but one last thing that I did want to mention is, like, we went small story. We went big story that was punctuated by cannons going off, and then we leaped out into what appears to be another small story yes that i am also interested in yeah immediately Uh, i'm immediately interested in yeah a legal battle look here's
0: the thing about nbc and legal dramas if yeah if anybody can do it (laughs) if they can't land next week's episode i mean i just don't know what to tell you yeah if they can't land it then quantum leap is on the wrong network (laughs) Because <laughs> if anybody can do it, it should be them. Oh man, you know what I would love? I would love a crossover with Law
1: & Order. I don't know if I brought this up before, but I would love a, a crossover with Law & Order. This show could cross over with just about anything. Especially given that most people don't even know or believe that Project Quantum Leap works.
0: In the past, I know that I mentioned that there was an episode of Quantum Leap that was kind of in the early planning stages for a potential season six that involved Sam Beckett leaping into a cartoon character you mentioned that <laughs> did yeah. i ever tell you that another episode that was being planned was that sam was going to leap into magnum pi oh i didn't know that that was something that was being bandied about before yeah, the show see, got that canceled could be,
1: that could be really cool i remember i read a fan fiction this is back in the late 90s so like the infancy of the internet somebody had written a short story where sam leaped into Bo duke from the dukes of hazard <laughs> You could definitely do something like that. I think the misstep that this next episode could theoretically have is I hope that it doesn't paging Dr. Song us with a preamble that has nothing to do with the episode. Yes. Yeah. I hope it's not just a one-off and then we get some other story. I did not like that they threw that away. The, like the pregnant woman in the parking lot. Yeah. It's like
0: immediately resolved and then we're on to this whole just big loopy. Yeah. crazy stuff
1: put us in the situation that he's going to have to deal with yeah so yeah i'm actually interested in the small story for sure for sure the good kind of up and down yes. as opposed to the quality up and down that, oh, it's again it's, the, it's the kind of up season. and down that quantum
0: leap is uniquely poised to embrace and should yeah all sorts of different types of episodes and even ones that on the surface Don't sound like episodes that you would be completely invested in or or want to necessarily see. That's the job of the show to make you say, like, no, this is why you want to see this and this is why this is interesting. Like, if you had said to somebody, like, oh, yeah, there's this episode of Quantum Leap and it's all about an Indian family trying to open a restaurant. You're like, there's there's a population out there that's going to
1: be like, well, that sounds not interesting to me. Yeah, right. But give it a and shot, you know. it's Yeah, it's, exactly. It, it's great. <laughs> ultimately not what the story is about. Yeah, Yes. If you can get somebody to sit down and watch something that's meaningful in this day and age, you know, kudos to you. They can't all be Tiger King, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Otherwise, give us the hunt for Red October. Because <laughs> da- damn.
0: Well, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, if you would like to communicate with us and you don't have one of those sweet-ass radios like they were using to communicate (laughs) on the warship this week, you can drop us a line at oboyqlpod at gmail.com. You can send us um, missives, poems you've written, um, (laughs) nuclear codes. If you have visited Mar-a-Lago recently, you might have come into contact with some of those. We're still languishing on social media i'm at
1: captain burn c-a-p-t-n-b-e-r-n on twitter and i'm at action nate on twitter send us your thoughts on this episode yeah yeah did you love right. it we love it. Is this is are we overselling it at all you know i know my
0: answer <laughs> <laughs> until next time folks i'm brian and i'm nate and we'll be here in the waiting room